Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we are here for the second part of this uh, director's special month uh, covering 1960s Peeping Tom. Uh, a, a film that I've not seen before either. So, uh, yes. Yes, yeah, and this, none, none of us have seen this one. Oh, no, I had. Oh, you had? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because typically enough, it's like, you know, Powell and Pressburger, like we discussed on the last episode, considered to be sort of like finest British directors, mm. sort of pretty much of all time. But of course, the one that I had to see was the sleazy one that ruined, <laughs> ruined Michael Powell's career. <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I either didn't remember the details you gave us last time. But yeah. so, yeah. All right. Well, that will be quite interesting to get into then. Because, mm. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. So, mm. well, as I am the only person who had seen it before, Lee. Yeah. Uh, what? Let's come to you first. What were your thoughts on Pooping Tim? Sorry, Peeping Tom. <laughs> I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Mm. Um, cool. It's one of those films that's always on clip shows and films you must see and those type of things. So I was obviously very aware of it. Um, mm. But yeah, it just never really appealed to me to watch. Um, and I, I'm gutted, really, because it's just excellent. I mean, the mm. performances alone are absolutely exceptional. Um, mm. and, yeah. it's, and as you say, I think the problem is I was expecting it, because of the uproar it calls, to be a lot more graphic and a lot more unpleasant than it actually mm. is. Um, mm. But yeah, obviously it's because it was way before Slash. And it's funny, you know, that people were in mm. such an uproar and then you're like oh 20 years later every third movie is going to be like this and they're going to be way loads of, you know way more gore and really graphic and yeah or tasteless whereas i thought this was quite i, I thought it was really well handled mm. um, it wasn't gratuitous and yeah i i i thought it was a fantastic movie Oh, fantastic! And and Chris, where where do you sit, my dear? Yeah. So after watching Red Shoes, then you can see this. There's a lot of you know similarities. Perhaps it seems well shot and mm. like, well directed. Um, and yeah, there's there's a lot in there that it, it, I was thinking. You know, what was it? It's 1960. It's 1960, yeah. Yeah, so it does, you know, again, similar to Red Shoes, it seems more modern than I would have expected. Now, yeah. I still, I'm perhaps not used to the different eras fully, but yeah, they really did cover a lot. Uh, like the psychology of it mm. did seem, I, I, it was perhaps harder hitting than I would have expected. Um, yes, and yeah. I think that's part of the, I think that was part of its sort of, like the reaction it caused. Mm, it was just right. So yeah. So it was funny setting me up. It's called Peeping Tom. I would say that's not the best title necessarily. It's for, at least for me, quite, yeah, it hasn't quite got the. Uh, I wouldn't have connected it fully from what I expected. I expected a cheaper film mm. than it is, right? So and then the start was quite. So I know Lee, you said it's not graphic, but it was still that seemed again quite hard hitting for the time to oh no to go I, straight I, into a um like a, the the footage of the camera mm, yeah it was that, like we're we're not messing around this is that, you know 
yeah, POV murder and mm, POV, yeah. POV, I'm going to say POV used correctly, not as in how people think POV it's... works online for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like yeah. POV. No, what you mean is this is you doing this, not. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so what? Yeah. You know, the, the, there is, I think there is a lot to unpack in this. It, like, it was quite. Uh, you know, it was quite intense or quite tense for a lot of it. I'd say mm. um, it may have been my mood, but it w- I f- sort of felt like Red Shoes had a few more lighter bits throughout, but perhaps yeah. I just didn't get them as much. I think, oh, no, I, I think... Sorry, I put a lot of it down to Mark's, uh, the performance of the character Mark. Could be, like, yeah. Even mm. when he was doing very normal things. Yeah. He yeah. managed to do it to in be... such a horrendously oh, creepy no. way. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. And it's like, that is perhaps what they're going for. Fair enough. It's, yeah. He really, uh, it, watching it this time around, um, that character, it really reminded, he really reminded me of Peter Laurie. Yeah. And it's not just the accent. It was very much that same sort of thing of just off, mm-hmm. you know. Although, although weirdly enough, I think still, in an oddly sympathetic way, mm. in so much as at least you sort of get some insight into why he is like Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was interesting, definitely. Yeah. And it's and I love the fact it's interesting that like Helen's mum is blind. But but that <laughs> means that she insights. only she doesn't get taken in by yeah. handsome young blonde yeah. chap. Mm. She just is aware of everything else and kind of has yeah. built a picture of no, you're you're not. There's right. something wrong here. Yeah, yeah. and and, and he like he is be... nice. You know, he's not yeah. like he's not. But but it's also funny how he's. I mean, he's he's quite introverted, I guess. And mm. but it's funny how people are warm to him. And like you say, yeah, he's attractive and seems harmless enough. And he's relatively pleasant when you speak to him. Um, off, offering you drinks when he doesn't have one, but then he has some milk, you know. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but he's quite he's quite likable, you know. Mm. Once you sort of get past the fact that he's just off being distant and trying to be unapproachable. Yeah, I think it's a lot of people take it. Uh, a lot of people seem to take it that he's either because he's young, because he's mm. nervous, or he's shy, mm. which he is. But it's because there's a far worse secret yeah. going on other than I'm introverted. Yeah. You know, or whatever like that. You know, he's I, I am uh, actually psychologically disturbed. Yeah. And um but interesting enough, when I was reading about it, the, the script ed, the scriptwriter, a guy called um Leo Marx, um, he worked he was a cryptographer. Basically, mm. and he was part of what were they called? The um, uh, the special operations executive, which is basically mm. the spy the the spy group that was set up during World War Two. Yeah, um, whose role was um, con- the conducting of espionage, sabotage, and reconnaissance in territories occupied by the Axis powers. And mm. aiding local resistance movements, and so and serious so stuff. Was, uh, well, they were called the Baker Street Irregulars, which I kind of like <laughs> as well. That's their sort of nickname. Um, yeah. But he was actually there as he, his role was prepping agents 
to not reveal codes and security details under torture. Mm-hmm. And so he basically, basically he was sort of, he was into codes and cryptography and stuff like that, but he was also into uh, psychoanalysis, particularly Freud. And so he, but there's a quote from him, which was all uh, when he was training agents, all I had to do during these exercises was to watch them unobtrusively to photograph them when they were coding. I became convinced that all cryptographers are basically voyeurs. (laughs) <laughs> which really sort of speaks to the film and how it sort of developed and everything. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird because it comes out the same year as Psycho. Uh, and it yeah, feels, and I think there's a lot, not just the fact that it's like a, a serial killer film or a slasher film, proto slasher film, but the fact you've got like a sympathetic, but ultimately... Mm evil young man at the at the heart of it and what's funny is one was caused by the dad and one was caused by the mum yeah <laughs> but also but but really in a weird way michael powell was probably in in a similar sort of way to how alfred hitchcock was was mm. very much like already a known director who was lauded and had done a lot of films but the okay. weird thing is psycho basically renews hitchcock's career uh, and leads and is a massive success and leads on to him going on further and everything. Whereas Michael Powell, it was basically um this got pulled out of distribution after about so, 10 days. Yeah, okay. So you said this at the start. So so what this was a serious this just like Yeah. You, so he was he was up and coming or he'd he'd had some good no, hits he'd, already. He'd, well he'd he'd done the red shoes, he'd done mm. um Matter of Life and Death, um, uh, sorry, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, uh, Black Narcissus. Basically, he this was sort of like him. He, a lot of the big stuff that he'd done was him with Emmerich Pressburger, who was the mm-hmm. co-director on the Red Shoes. And then they sort of went their separate ways. And Emmerich yeah. Pressburger basically went on to be a scriptwriter and Michael Powell continued as a director. Um, and he did some more films. And at this point, because... When Powell and Pressburger's stuff was first coming out, the public really liked it and the critics were sort of lukewarm. Hmm. But by this point, they were actually doing retrospectives of their films from like the past 20 years and saying, look at this amazing stuff that these people have done and everything. And then I think possibly it was like all the critics were like, oh, Michael Powell's doing a new film. And then this <laughs> comes out and they're so utterly sort of nonplussed but like completely sort of thrown by it and it was i think it was partially the subject matter partially the fact that it's kind of like actually about the seedier side of Mm. cinema and photography and stuff like that because obviously you've got he's a glamour photographer um and they're they're also sort of like the the film in inverted commas that he tells uh vivian that he's making out of hours which could possibly be a skin flick or something like that Mm. and just the like the bit where i mean that is a pure that feels very hitchcock because like you said there's few and four laughs in there but there are a few and like the bit in the news agents 
Yeah. Where Miles Mallison comes in yeah. and like, I'm just, mm. I'm just glad we've got views. <laughs> and he's just going and he's just going through the book like, yes. Oh, mm, mm, yes. <laughs> and I think again that was like a thing where a lot of people were like, No, that's you know, you can't be saying that. That's not what respectable people do. Mm. Um pretty much yes. It, it, so it, this was, was kind of showing a truth of society and a lot of people were not mm. too keen on that. Yeah, I think so. I commented on that, the fact that they're in a news agent and it's just absolutely covered with photographs of topless women. Yeah. That young girl just comes yeah. in picks up a you know, bar of candy or whatever it is. And I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's not on. Mm. You can't that's no, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but then but then weirdly enough, I mean it's only probably sort of even the nineties onwards was the time when suddenly it was like, Oh yeah, we're not gonna have nudie pin-up calendars uh, in yeah. public areas mm. or whatever like that, you know, and sort of I think it's you know, it was definitely saying something about the time and mm. obviously this is Britain just pre swinging 60s really mm. so mm. it's still that sort of 50s well we've won the war and now we're rebuilding and isn't everything jolly and actually no, there's this sort of very um, dark underbelly to that, mm. um, but I, I had to I had to print out some of these uh, review quotes because, mm. frankly, I'd put them on the fucking poster because uh, <laughs> you would you would be it, this would sell your film brilliantly. But yeah. so um, the Spectator went with the sickest, filthiest film I remember <laughs> seeing. Um, the Daily Express leads with. More nauseating and depressing than the leper colonies of East Pakistan, <laughs> the back streets of Bombay, and the gutters of Calcutta. Fucking so, <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. The Evening Standard just went with loathsome, um, <laughs> essentially vicious, the Sunday Times, perverted nonsense, and I love this from its slumbering, mildly salacious beginnings to its appallingly masochistic and depraved climax. This film is wholly evil from wow. the Daily Worker. And apparently Michael Powell's favourite quote was from the uh, Tribune paper, which was, the only really satisfactory way to dispose of Peeping Tom would be to shovel it up and flush it swiftly down the nearest sewer. Even then, the stench would remain. Oh, so wow. they went to yeah. fucking town on this film. And Michael Powell basically thinks that a lot because he was well, as he described it, he was kind of troublesome in so much as he was a successful director who would always demand to do new things and try things and stuff like that. And like we said, the red mm. shoes went ridiculously over budget, and at the time the studio were pissed off with him and stuff <laughs> like that. Mm. And I think for a lot of it, it was there were a lot of sort of people involved in the movie industry where it was just their opportunity. It's like, right, Powell's pissed on his chips, we don't have to deal with him anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know he did do films after this, but essentially he was never. Didn't reach this was the last. To... Yeah, this mm-hmm. was the last film that he released as a star director who was yeah. like a respected. Like you sold it on his name, yeah. like you would Tarantino or Hitchcock or whatever like that. And um, yeah, it really. Uh, I mean, they pulled it within. I think they pulled it out of distribution in about ten days. <laughs> And that is according insane. to Michael, well, mm. according to Michael, in the same year then... that everyone's screaming about Psycho, like if you put them yeah. side by side, 
it's as you say, it's effectively it's a perfect double bill because mm. they're they've got so much in common and so little difference. How can one be fine and the other be the worst film ever made? I really don't see it. I wonder if it's the I wonder if it's the setting and the time though, because Psycho comes out and you know it's a hit in America and then come, and over here, whereas I I don't know what the there was like I it was a bit like Bill Hicks used to say about he could go he could come over here and be a star, but in America he wouldn't get any traction because he spent too long bashing America. Mm. <laughs> and I wonder if it's a similar thing where so, it's like, yeah, Psycho didn't really uh, Psycho was show was, seediness um, of of any, but it was, the, it was the seediness we expect from America. So we so mm. over here the critics were fine with it, and even though in, and in America it was rightly seen as a fucking masterpiece, mm. and then Peeping Tom I don't think came out for another year because of how it was mm. received over here, and then it came out to very little fanfare. And actually, the the distributors sold the basically they I think as Michael Powell described they sold it to like a black market uh, film distributor to bury it on a shelf somewhere so that it just never be seen again. And weirdly enough, one of there was a there were a few champions for it. Weirdly enough, one of them is Martin Scorsese, who mm. is a massive fan of Michael Powell and Powell and Pressburger. And he'd seen Peeping Tom and he actually bought a copy, like he tracked down a print of it because he couldn't see it anywhere. <laughs> so he could take it to a New York film festival. And that was like mid seventies, I think. Mm. And that's when it's sort of the resurgence started of people going, no, actually this is a good film. And yeah. actually not just a good film, this is a fucking great film. Mm. And it is as good as stuff like the red shoes and things like that. You know, it's not, you know, the, I think a lot of it over here was portrayed as almost like, well, look at, you know, how can they go from this? I mean, how can you go from this marvellous film about a woman tormented to the point of suicide? You know, how can you go from that yeah. lovely thing to this horrible thing? You know. See, now, I, I would agree with that, but only in as much as Moira Shearer's dancing. So, obviously, her <laughs> ballet dancing in the red shoes was amazing, as she is a ballet dancer. When he gets her in that closed-off studio and she starts dancing around and dicking about with stuff, I was like, I know she's going to go, but I wish she'd hurry up because she's getting on my tits with all this behaviour, to be honest with you. I mean, the, the one good thing is at least she is a dancer. So it looks like she's dancing, because if you'd have given that to someone who... It was something Claire pointed out. It's like, yeah, but if someone who couldn't dance just did exactly the same thing, they'd look. it would look fucking clownish. Mm. But at least you can see she has a talent there to... <laughs> Um, cause there are, cause there's a, obviously she's like the sort of main person who's in this, who was in the red shoes. Mm. Um, but also the, um, the director of the film, you know, the, uh, who is probably the only other real bit of, uh, comic relief in the film is the, um, uh, director. And he was the conductor in red shoes. He was Livy, mm. who was the conductor who then, um, the other character comes in and sort of starts conducting as well. But he, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, as the um, director of the film, I mean, just that bit where it's the silly bitch has fainted in the wrong <laughs> car. You know, and again, it's that sort of thing that the Red Shoes had, where it's that sort of, there. Are, there's a lot of humour in this, mm. you know, and like the police are sort of mildly, 
you like you've got um like Baxter where he's like they put on the music and he starts fucking clapping away and yeah. they're just like Baxter, do you mind? <laughs> and it's sort of, yeah, there are sort of there's a lot of fun in it or funny moments in it. And again, that feels like that feels like Hitchcock as well, but it's also that thing that makes it feel quite modern. Yeah. Because mm. without those, it would be probably too overly melodramatic. But those sort of ground it and take that away, and it's like, no, you know, we're not. We are taking this seriously, but not everything in this is serious. Mm. It's, um, you know, is relief that you need really yeah. in something like this. Oh, definitely, well, yeah. it's full on tension, isn't it? Every mm. minute of it is uncomfortable, and you're just waiting for him to select his next victim. I, mm. I mean, Anna Massey. Um, who I think this is the first time I've I don't think I've seen her in anything, uh, probably after this for about twenty years or whatever. So I always remember her mm. as an older actress, and I yeah. kind of assumed she'd come to it older, um, it, just because I'd not seen her in anything. But yeah, she was excellent. So I can see why, how she became such a a stalwart character in you know the um, in the British film industry. Really, I thought. She yeah, was. and and obviously we what um, she's in. Um... Which anthology is it? It's um, it's not. Is it Vault of Horror? She's in, where she's in the vampire one. Um, do, 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 yeah, Vault of Horror. She's in the Midnight Mess uh, story. You know the the one where it's the vampire uh, restaurant where they go to the vampire oh, restaurant. Yes, yes. Um, and also she was married to Jeremy Brett for a few years. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but um. But yeah, and no, I mean, I mean, she's she's fantastic in it, and um, also uh, I don't know if you spotted her, but Brenda Bruce, who plays Dora, the the victim at the start, like the the mm. sex worker, mm. um, who is again, like you said, she's someone who's much more familiar to me as an older actress because she was in she was Alan Bastard's mum in the New Statesman, and she's in. Um, Jeeves and Worcester and Paradise Towers, like Doctor Who and stuff like that, in in which she plays a cannibal granny. So, but um, <laughs> but yes, I think that uh, again, she's sort of like someone. There's sort of familiar faces in there, and like like we said, there's Miles Mallison in there, and um, but yeah, it's it's a weird sort of it's a weird thing to go back on and look at it. And you see, and all you see is like, oh, this is a good film mm. that feels almost inexplicable as to the reaction to it, other than it was too much for 1960 yeah. for some reason, mm. you know. And I did think that watching it, I was, I was kind of like, yeah, I can see why it was, why people weren't ready for it. But as you say, that was the shocker was when you sort of said, oh, yeah, it's the same year as Psycho. And you think, oh, God, yeah, it was. And it's so. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and Psycho, I mean, if you compare anything, as you said, Chris, it does come in quite hard from the off. Mm. Uh, but compared to, like, the shower scene, it's it's a lot more... So there's no blood in it. There's no... Because it all happens just out of shot of the camera. So you see the face of the person, but there's no gore. There's no... Mm. Nothing, apart from the body that you see in the uh, in the trunk... But even that, there isn't any blood. You you, you all... never actually see the body though. That's the clever thing is you never see the bodies. You she opens the trunk and she faints, 
and you see them looking into it, but I don't think they actually ever show you the body. And similarly, you never see um, Millie after she gets killed. No. Yeah. You know, they, they report about it and everything else. Like, you know, like there's the news agents on the mm. phone and telling the police and stuff like that. Um, and, but again, that's, and that, that was another thing that was quite shocking for it is because um, at one point, you, um, Millie is um, topless. Mm, and yeah. apparently she's she's one of the I think they it's probably the first nude female body in a mainstream English film. I mean, obviously mm. they've been making pornography since they <laughs> fucking started making celluloid, you know. Yeah. So but yeah, but, not in a yeah, film this so, big. So again, even though it's very it's extremely brief. But again, that was another thing where it was kind of like a taboo. These are just been all, all the elements that are just enough mm. to bring it into this. Yeah. Another thing that came that seems to have got with a lot of people is because obviously they've got the videos of um, Mark as a child. Yeah. Uh, with his dad's experiments, and that kind of is, you know, it goes. It actually goes deeper than because Psycho. Weirdly enough, you just get that weird bit at the end where. Um, Kolchak's boss comes out and tells them what's, you know, what is wrong with him. Yeah. Almost. It's almost like tacked on after the main, the, after, technically after the film has really finished. Almost the end. Yeah, then, really. Yeah. And, and then he comes in and just says, oh, you know, it's because of his domineering mother and so on and so forth. Yeah. Whereas this kind of, you're immediately aware, again, you're immediately quite aware visceral, of the murderer. Really. Yeah. Mm. Essentially. And you're, almost the first thing you're told is why he is a murderer mm. or a reason why he is a, or could be a well cer certainly is a contributing factor to why he is the way he is um you think that would probably mess up most most boys oh, fuck me yeah you know i mean wake me up with a lizard tomorrow <laughs> yeah, and i'll yeah. be and, and not only that not only that but filming right in your face to get it well like... film filming you coming in to see your dead mother you know, yeah. and sort of it's it's a vet, but this was something that the critics picked up on as well because mm. that ch the person who's playing uh, person who's playing Mark as a child is Michael Powell's own son, <laughs> and the person who plays Luke's uh, Luke, person who plays Mark's dad mm. is also Michael Powell. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and Michael Powell was not really Michael Powell didn't. He wasn't like Hitchcock or sort of, you know, he wasn't like an actor director like Woody Allen or anything else like that. This was a very rare instance of him appearing on camera. Mm. And so a lot of people were like, oh, so you obviously identify with this guy who created yeah, the set. Yeah, yeah. You know, and stuff like that. And actually the, <sighs> the mother in the deathbed is Michael Powell's wife and the mother of their child. I can wow. see how right, if you started with the idea that this is a, sordid awful film mm. and then you add those elements to it i can kind of see how you'd be like well yeah this is absolute filth this is just wrong yeah. on so many think, levels because i think people sort of almost mistook that yeah those like because um michael powell's son columba has basically said well yeah i'm in it but it was fun and yeah i was yeah. filming with dad it wasn't like, like didn't really need serious acting for those yeah, parts well, also, it's like as he said, it wasn't like a traumatizing thing or anything no, else like it, that. But I think because of the way it's filmed, the way it's showed, yeah, the context it's used in the film is is almost yeah. like, 
oh, Michael Powell tortured his own yeah, son to make for this, this film, fucking yeah. film. And his son's probably going to grow up and sharpen mm. the end of his tripod, and if you pardon the expression. And, <laughs> and, it's, and actually, the weird thing that I always forget with it is because I think because it was a film I'd read about a lot before I actually finally saw it. Mm. Um, so they said about like the murder weapon, but they also used to say that all of them would say, but it's kind of like a big reveal in the film that he has that mirror. Yeah. Because there's the weird reaction, particularly Viv- Vivian's reaction where she's like, going, no, not that. And it's not yeah. the knife. Yeah. Mm. Cause the knife comes out and she's like, what are you doing? And are you messing about? And blah, whatever. And then he does something else, which is obviously him putting the mirror above the camera. Mm-hmm. And that's when she really freaks out and starts mm-hmm. reacting and screaming and is in mortal fear. Yeah. And actually, the, that's another thing with it is I think everyone in it is so, everyone in it's so good mm-hmm. that you genuinely feel that fear mm-hmm. during those sequences. You know, it's not overly done. It's just pure. It feels like just absolute terror and it's so again but again that was like something where i was aware of that thing whereas actually it's a big reveal in the film that it's like oh no he's making them watch themselves die Mm -hmm. yeah i thought the big reveal was going to be you know that it's the the leg of the tripod which Mm. you see quite early and the other bit of misdirection is whenever i've seen excerpts from this most of it is the pov stuff so i Mm. had a feeling it was going to be you weren't going to know who the killer was until the last 10 minutes. And it was all just going to be this mysterious figure behind the character, behind mm. the camera. Mm. Yeah. So I was quite shocked when, you know, literally five minutes, in, especially because you have the POV stuff and then you see him filming the police and his face is very much covered by the camera. So I thought yeah. it was going to be like that all the way through and we'd find out right at the end. But of course, then when the copper comes up to talk to him, and he drops the camera. I was like, oh, right, no, we know who it is immediately. It's that guy. Yeah, because mm. I think that's probably the main difference between that and Psycho is the fact that Psycho has a mystery element. Yeah. And again, because Psycho is so well known, we all know that Norman Bates is the killer. But actually, when you watch Psycho, that is not the... that That is misdirect or is intentionally misdirected for most of the film. Yeah. Mm. Because it's meant to be, oh, the mum's going around killing and he's mopping up for her. And then mm. you're like, oh, the mum's a corpse. Oh, my God, he dresses his mum. <laughs> and whereas with this, this is much more just like, I think, and again, maybe that was the thing, because it wasn't a mystery. This is more like a character yeah. study. This is basically, this is like Mark Lewis portrait of a serial killer. Yeah. Because you, you, you're you from the off, you know what's happening. Yeah. Um, and everyone else is clueless. You're the, you're, you have more info than anyone else in the film, apart from Mark. So it's sort of yeah. The whole thing is almost almost too realistic. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know if that was something that sort Mm. of worked against uh, or or what got under people's skin, but it certainly did. I mean, that's if anything, that's the point. This is a film that is it's a horror film. Yeah. It's designed to get under your skin, and it did, but it just got under people's skin so much. Too many people just couldn't handle it. Yeah, and I think mm. it was yeah. I think far too many people were sort of. Absolutely, it's, it's funny just how unfair that is, really, isn't it? To, you know, like imagine that 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 happened to you. You know, you you really are putting sort of passion into your work, mm. and yeah, you and then it's just ruined. Job, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, that's got to be so harsh. 
I mean, it's like that. There's that story about um, I can't remember who it was, but it was like someone was interviewing David Lynch, mm. and he was. They were driving along somewhere, and they saw a poster for Steven Spielberg's latest movie. And David Lynch just went, Do you know, sometimes I wish my brain worked like Steven Spielberg's. <laughs> and he just meant in terms of because Steven Spielberg is always kind of in the sort of public mm. consciousness. Mm. Whereas obviously David Lynch He's drawn towards things that, that are never gonna be yeah, crossover appeal. Yeah. Um but equally it's just about how your brain works and i think mm. at this point this is what michael powell wanted to do i don't think michael powell had ever done in a weird way if that was the problem with that a lot of people had with him so i don't think he'd ever sort of done anything other than what he wanted to do mm. but this was just seriously out of step with what people wanted from him yeah but again, it's that that ironic thing of, but this is the film that's lasted, you know, far <laughs> beyond all this stuff, which was highly popular at the time, but has aged terribly. This film is the opposite. This film has aged really well, and we were all, you know, but, myself uh, and Chris, just blown away by how modern a film it felt. Yeah, mm. it shows that it was all of society that were wrong. It turns I'm, out I'm, lots of people can be wrong. Oh, I mean, and I'll... This is this is something that I think really I was again when I was reading about this. This was so um, Carl Bone, who plays uh, Mark or Carl Heinz Bone, um, in 1981. So he was an actor. This was I think this was the first thing he'd done in Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, and at no point does anyone actually ask if you've lived in England all your life, why have you got a German accent? But um, he. Um, in 1981, he appeared on... Do you remember the TV show You Bet? Yeah. Yeah. So that was based on a German show called Wetten Das, uh, which was You Bet, uh, and same sort of thing. And he went on there, and it was like, oh, it's uh, Carl Bohm, and, you know, he's come on. What's your What bet would you like to do? Or whatever. And his was, I'm going to bet that not every third viewer will donate one mark, one Swiss franc, or seven Australian showlings for the needy people in the Sahel zone in Africa. And that night he raised 1.2 million Deutschmarks to go to the starving of Africa. Mm. And so that year he formed a charity called Mention for Mention, which is Humans for Humans, uh, to raise money for uh, the starving in Ethiopia. And he basically gave up acting to concentrate on doing this charity work. Mm. And by, and, by this time, mention for mention, still going. They've built 400 schools, 2,000 fountains, and benefited around 5 million people. Wow. And uh, Carlines Bone was made an honorary citizen of Ethiopia in 2007. So, yeah. just just out of the blue of this, you sort of like you've got this, you know, you're in peeping Tom, and then totally out of the way, just goes off and becomes this incredible charitable sort of like yeah. philanthropist and uh, yeah. charity worker and uh yeah so very impressive yeah excellent very impressive right so um our next episode uh, is going to be a what we've been watching so i had better pull my finger out because i've not been watching a lot uh, <laughs> so uh yeah the the, the uh, timer has been set um, I was very pleased, actually, Adam, that you said that uh, 
your scientific advisor had watched this. I was thinking just today, actually, how this uh, this was our goal along, you know, when we started this podcast, was to try and reach out to people who were convinced that horror wasn't for them and try and uh, try and show yes. them that it's a much bigger world and it isn't just about having a horrible, uncomfortable time. Um, yeah, and I was very pleased when uh, she had such a positive response to it. So, uh, yes. yes. Uh, so for Chris, I don't think I told you, but um, Claire asked for her birthday to um, watch Theatre of Blood oh. with the League of Gentlemen commentary. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, yeah. So, so we've got we've got another convert. Right? Yes. So, See, it's working. Uh, it's working. Well, in fair, in fairness, the poor cow's been living with me for ten years. It's probably <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. You can only fight it off for so long. <laughs> well, I mean, ten years you get less for arson, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> right. And on that note, thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. We we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you.